Welcome to College App 101. I'm your host, Dr. Riley. Succeeding in high school is challenging, and applying to college is overwhelming. I hope my comments here ease the tension you may feel. It'll benefit you to think like a college admissions counselor. She's the lady who will read your application to Gonzaga or Louisville. He's the guy who will handle your application to Butler or Memphis. I've worked with many such professionals. They're great people and interested in helping you apply to their school. An interesting part of working with high school students and parents is hearing a student's ideas about their college major and future career. Inevitably, the discussion turns to the student's innate aptitude, talents, and gifting. Having guided hundreds of seniors, I think I've encountered most types of students— Some are very aware of emotions and could be great counselors. Others are musical and would be well-suited as music majors in college. Some have excellent people skills and would be great teachers or social workers. When I was on the faculty of the University of Oregon, there was a brief exercise that my students completed during a term's first class meeting. It was a brief questionnaire designed for me to get to know them somewhat. The questions centered on their major, career plans, and interesting fact about themselves, stuff like that. Then, in an attempt for them to get to know me, I asked them to write a question that they would ask me in a small talk setting, and I pledged to answer a question or two at the beginning of each class session throughout the term. They asked me things like, what's my favorite book? What's my favorite movie? Do I believe in UFOs? Well, one term, a student wrote these words. My favorite word right now is digits. What's yours? It was funny and it made me laugh. It's likely that that student's inborn talents and abilities are within the realm of words. She would probably find a meaningful career as a journalist, author, an English teacher maybe. Back to my conversations with students and parents, tension can arise, though, when a parent insists their child should pursue a career outside the student's interests and abilities. Take, for example, a health career. The student hates biology, can't stand the sight of blood, and has the aptitude of an artist. She'll probably be miserable in a hospital or clinic. Sure, health professionals enjoy job security and often earn a great income, but there's a lot to be said about career contentment, even when you make less money. In all my years of advising students, it's rare, in fact, I think it's not happened, that a high school student asks me about my natural aptitude and gifting. So I'm going to tell you today. I'm like my Oregon digits student. I like words, writing words, arranging words in a letter, article, or book, learning new words, reading words, thinking about a word's origins, learning words in foreign languages. As near as I can tell, I received this gift chiefly from my maternal grandfather through my mother, though I received a dose of it from my dad as well. Before proceeding, I'd like to ask you, students, what's your innate gifting? What areas are your natural talents and abilities? When you are aware of them, selecting a college major and future career is easier. Knowing them will give you greater confidence during the difficult days of college, That engineering internship, medical school, student teaching, your nursing clinical, or whatever. My work with words, my aptitude with words, has certainly sustained me through challenging points in my own life. As I said, the gift came from my grandpa. 
His formal education ended largely with high school graduation, although in time he had some military and technical training. My memories are of him engrossed in words, reading the paper, or quite commonly quoting words from memory. He loved poetry. His military service had him abroad where he acquired facility in Portuguese, so I heard a lot of English and Portuguese from him. My boyhood home was ranch style with a basement. Our living room was fairly expansive with a broad fireplace hearth that was high enough above the floor to sit on comfortably. Sliding glass doors were on both sides of the fireplace. The carpet wasn't shag, but it was a, let's say, first cousin. Grandpa used to sit on the fireplace hearth and recite poems to the laughter and amazement of everyone in the room. I was sort of in awe. Today, when you want to record something or someone, you pull out your phone and use its camera. When I was a kid, those didn't exist. Some families had large cameras whose sole purpose was recording videos. The camera user would support the very large camera on their shoulder and record. Well, my dad recorded many videos of Grandpa quoting poetry. These family memories come from a period of my life well before I ever heard the term greatest generation. Grandpa was part of that group of Americans. This is comparable to you, high school students, now being part of Gen Z. By greatest generation, I'm referring to Americans born about a century ago who came of age during the Great Depression and fought or supported American efforts during the Second World War. Grandpa was part of that group. One of the younger members, but a member to be sure. In my opinion, there's still a general fascination with that era of American history and the greatest generation. I see this in current books, television series, movies, and other ways. For example, when I was on the faculty of Xavier, my students wrote a paper on Simon Wiesenthal's The Sunflower, which is classic Holocaust literature. In his paper, one student confessed his great interest in World War II and that era of American history. I think he's not alone. Many commendable attributes characterize the greatest generation. Sure, there are exceptions, but I think many would recognize them as embodying perseverance, sacrifice, an invincible spirit, resilience, fortitude, stamina, willpower. In a word, they had grit, and that helped sustain them through a decade and a half of pain, uncertainty, and adversity. That's why we admire them today. That's why my Xavier students found them so fascinating. Students, you would do well to embrace life's adversity and let it develop your own inner grit. It'll help you in high school. It'll serve you as you walk the uncertain path of college admissions. It'll help in college when you feel like quitting. Grit has lifelong benefits and dividends. Again, grit has lifelong benefits and dividends. And we love stories that feature gritty people. Think about classic literature, Odysseus, Achilles, Aeneas, moving into my field, biblical studies, Abraham, Job, Ruth, King David, Mary, Jesus, Paul. There are countless other figures and stories from antiquity and throughout history. My wife and I are children of the 80s and 90s, so we're fans of the Rocky movies. There's a lot you can and can't say about Rocky. You can't say he lacked grit. Students, you need grit because life constantly throws curveballs at you. For example, you're a committed member of the high school football team. 
Every season, you pay your dues, work hard at practice, do everything you're told, and as an upperclassman, you earn the starting quarterback job. Wow, what an honor. Your coaches believe in you so much that they entrust the most important, the most difficult position in all of sports to you. But just before senior year season begins, a transfer student, a phenomenal athlete, joins the team. The next thing you know, your second string, he's replaced you. Yes, you can quit, but your grit keeps you on and you do everything you can to bring success to your replacement and everyone around you. We're not quite to prom season, though stores are advertising dresses now. You could go with friends, but ladies you're thinking about and want a date. You could see yourself going with a guy in your grade, and when you speak with him about prom, in general terms of course, he implies he's going to ask you. You get excited, but next week you hear he asks someone else. Situations like these are emotional blows. In that moment, the best thing to do after a good cry is get up and move ahead. Let's move into the adult world, where you're heading rapidly, students. You interview for a position, one you'd really like. The interview process is complex, multiple interviews with several parties. You're fully qualified and you sense the search committee likes and wants to hire you. But toward the end of the process, you detect, a, you detect an influential member of the search committee. Maybe the most influential member has misgivings. In the end, the train derails and someone in HR, someone you've never even talked to throughout the process, delivers the thanks but no thanks message via email. You don't even get a personal phone call. Oh no! Again, these situations are agonizing. Here's a final example. You serve an organization in a professional capacity for five years. It's obvious to you and your colleagues that you're making a positive contribution. You receive glowing performance evaluations. One day, HR calls you in and you hear, We sincerely appreciate your service these years, but after today, your services are no longer required. Grit helps sustain us during these punches to the face. A few moments ago, I mentioned grit in college admissions. During my appointment at UT San Antonio, I knew and worked with people in admissions, though I myself worked in academic advising. UTSA believed in grit so much that they actually delivered training to employees while I was there. It was called resilience training. It was well done and shows that resilience and grit are part of the discourse of higher education. Last October, I delivered three episodes on writing a compelling essay. Those episodes emphasize the importance of telling an interesting story in your admissions essays. A story about your personal grit would be a great hook. A story about how you handled some disappointment by getting up, moving ahead, and making the best of the situation would win you points in the eyes of your college's admissions team. Licking our wounds just briefly and then leaving the painful experience behind are difficult, but gritty people have learned to do it. I want that for you students. I recently found my favorite poem ever quoted by my grandfather in a book called Impertinent Poems by Edmund Vance Cook. The poem's about grit. My memory of grandpa in this poem is a little fuzzy, but it is somehow connected to President Theodore Roosevelt, a fellow who possessed a fair amount of grit himself. The copy of impertinent poems that I'm referencing actually circulated in New York Public Library system, so who knows, perhaps Teddy himself held in his own hands this precise copy. 
for a moment envisioned the broad living room of my childhood home. It's Sunday afternoon. Grandpa's somewhat gruff, but very good-natured. Whenever he hugs me, it's sort of rough. He's sitting on the fireplace hearth, reciting this poem with a twinkle in his eye. The room is flooded with daylight from the large glass doors. Thick carpet underfoot. My dad has a video camera hoisted on his shoulder, capturing the moment as my grandfather, member of the greatest generation, World War II veteran, quotes poet Edmund Vance Cook's poem called, How Did You Die? The poem, How Did You Die, says this. Did you tackle that trouble that came your way with a resolute heart and cheerful? Or hide your face from the light of day with a craven soul and fearful? Oh, a trouble's a ton, or a trouble's an ounce, or a trouble is what you make it. And it isn't the fact that you're hurt that counts, but only how did you take it? You're beaten to the earth? Well, well, what's that? Come up with a smiling face. It's nothing against you to fall down flat, but to lie there, that's disgrace. The harder you're thrown, why, the higher you bounce. Be proud of, be proud of your blackened eye. It isn't the fact that you're licked that counts. It's how did you fight and why. And though you be done to the death, what then, if you battled the best you could? If you played your part in the world of men, why, the critic will call it good. Death comes with a crawl, or comes with a pounce, and whether he's slow or spry, it isn't the fact that you're dead that counts, but only how did you die. Grit, students. You get a lot of things along the way in high school. With all you're getting, make sure you get a good dose of grit. It'll serve you well. A few moments ago, I spoke about students' innate aptitude, talents, and gifting. There are several free and paid resources that you can access if you feel lost in this area. If that's you, please reach out to me. If you've enjoyed this and other College App 101 podcasts, please share them through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or my website. Until next time, I'm your pre-college advisor, Dr. Riley. For more more information about succeeding in high school, college apps, or to contact me, visit my website, collegeapp101.com. That's college, C-O-L-L-E-G-E, app, A-P-P, 101.com. 